Have you ever been interrogated, David? By my wife every day. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Love you, baby. I never call her yeah. baby. Uh, police That's have weird. never like pulled you to the side of a road and like. I mean, I've been pulled over a couple yeah. of times, but. Um, I kind of been interrogated a little bit. We can talk about it in a minute. But I want to talk about uh, in Indonesia. All right, we got a little got a little news story for you. Okay. I just don't know how we went from you getting interrogated by police to Indonesia, but I'm sure it all makes sense in a second. Well, yeah. it make a little sense, some sense. Uh, so, so the Indonesian police have publicly apologized um, for using a snake in uh, in their interrogation. Apparently, they draped a live snake. I'm not sure exactly what kind of snake, but around the neck of uh, of this alleged criminal as an interrogation tactic. Uh, and it makes me think, and then I don't have much more to the story there. It's just like a blip. You know, I have my, uh, I have my feed that lets me know of interesting news around the world. You mean from your sources, right? From my sources, uh, and my fan. And, you know, we get, we get tips on things. And this was of just a, like two sentences. Indonesian police apologize for draping live snake around interrogation victim. Okay. Um, but it made me think. Yeah, I don't know if this guy uh, sang like a bird. Animal puns. That means that if he gave up all the information. Thank you. For those who aren't familiar with 1940s uh, buddy cop uh, lingo. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, he's going like she, a bird. Yeah, like a little birdie. He's swimming with the fishes, she. Yeah, she, yeah. That's all I got. That's a reporter yeah. voice more than yeah. cop voice. What were you doing or what, what I was doing? I don't know. And so... Question, if you were interrogated, like I I tried to think about this, what would get me to to confess or to give up the info, right? Like there are things, I don't think a snake, like I don't think a snake would get me to, like, and this is like, you've got some highly sensitive intel, okay? Like that if you tell either you're at risk or you lose out on a big opportunity or it's like there's some damage to you, like you really don't want to confess, okay? And so, what would be that thing that you just couldn't handle? It probably for me, it'd probably be tickling my feet. Tickling your feet? Yeah, you'd give up. I cannot handle it. You'd give up like national security secrets. I may. I'd hold out for five seconds, maybe ten. Would there be? Would there be crazy amounts of giggling before the confession? Yes. All right. So I almost yeah. I got a pedicure once, and um, I. The lady administering the, you know, the, the nice lady from originally from Vietnam. I'm not gonna say all of them are from Vietnam because obviously that's not true. They're very good at what they do. Are you saying specifically the ones from Vietnam or all pedicurists? I've never been to a bad pedicurist. I've also never been to a pedicurist who's not Vietnamese. Okay, how many pedicurists have you been to? Uh, probably five. You've. Mm. You've been to five different pedicurists. At least. Okay. And so how many... Okay. Yeah. Okay. But stop, the, just stop everything. There's a portion of the pedicure where stop. there's a light tickle on... Stop everything. Extreme giggling. You said you had, had you had had one pedicure. And now you're telling me you've been to five different pedicurists? Uh, I'm say, pedicures? I'm saying like the first pedicure I ever had. Okay. Yeah. Mm. You're switching your story up here, Montague. Should I tickle your feet to get the real information out of you? Yeah, she, yeah. Uh, okay. But this first pedicure, uh, I almost had to stop it because I could not handle the light tickle on the bottom of my foot. It was. I almost kicked this poor lady in the face. I almost did. And she and her buddies were giggling and, and talking to buddies. each other. And her buddies. In a language I could not understand, but obviously they were making fun of the... Um, amount and pitch of my giggle and i was a little offended but it was a very good pedicure overall so highly recommended uh don't know her name or where she works but or the name of the place yeah but she's a lady and she's from vietnam so so tell her anthony sent you to where we don't know (laughs) So what would what would be the interrogation tactic that would get you to spill your guts? I thought this is where we were going with this, okay? Yep. I think it would, without getting a little too, uh, well, no, no, I'm gonna have to get weird. 
No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't have to get weird. Okay. Our, our previous sound check and equipment check you got don't a have too to, weird. You don't have to bring it up. I don't want to. That's not what I'm talking about. Although that could be pretty torturous. Um, what I'm thinking, it would be something to do with not my body, but my mind. Like there would be torture of my mind. Yeah. Like playing the same high pitch over and over and over again, uh. or something like that, like sleep deprivation and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that's what would do it for me. So it would take a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for you, it's more of the uh, psychological, uh, okay, for me, it's more of the physical. Like tickling of feet. Like, yes. Like, you've got your, um, you know, hanging from, from your wrists, you've got Chinese water torture, or waterboarding, those are two different things, right? They are very different things. You got those One things. of them is proudly made in America. You've got sensory deprivation, that can... I think I might be okay with that, if, um, well... You've got like legit beatings, like where they take you out back and rough you up a little bit. Yeah, she. Feet tickling. So you got all, all these kinds of crazy physical interrogation tactics. Uh, but I don't think a snake would do it to me. But come on, Indonesian police. Oh, there was another story I was going to bring up. Uh, I did. I, we're actually not going to talk about it, but I just <laughs> we kind of are talking about it by not talking about it. But. Uh, our uh, our drug smuggling friends are paying more attention to our show. Are they? They're unfortunately they're still fortunately they're still getting caught, have, but they're being more creative. Have we checked the dark web for our downloads? Uh, let me check. You have access we are to the dark super web? popular on the dark. I web. knew it. Uh, that's that's why it's not registering in the like amount of views on YouTube. And gotcha. Because the, the, they're all watching and the downloads on, the, on iTunes. They're all watching on the maroon tube. They've all got their. It's a darker red. Yeah, it's all dark views. So it's actually it subtracts from the t- count. Is that how that it's works? It's like a drill in the odometer. It's taking back the mileage. Um, like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Exactly. Like no, 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 they try to they try to make the car go in reverse in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, and just like that, this show is. Going off a cliff. The car. Out of the garage. So you're saying our show is like the car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. because it's been a disaster so far? Well, it was a pretty fun day, if you remember. It was... For Ferris Bueller or for us on the show? Yes. I'm saying it's a one-to-one comparison. Really good. Comes to a crashing end. Mm. Okay. But we're just starting. Oh, but drug smugglers... Putting uh, cocaine inside Lunchables. <laughs> Which is super dangerous. Really irresponsible of you drug smugglers. But kudos on the creativity. So... What, I don't have many details. Okay. I'm just wondering like, if I should stop <laughs> buying Lunchables for my kids at the store. I think it's a... Uh, they think it's somewhat contained. Somewhat contained? <laughs> somewhat con- That's good. Mostly contained. I'm going to bet my children's drug use. Yeah. Illicit I drug mean, use on... Mostly contained. If you're if your ham, cheese, and crackers and side of white powder comes with the lunchable, maybe take it away from them. Like instead of the Snickers, it's just a little white mound. Instead of your little crunch bar, mounds. Yeah, I made a candy oh, bar mounds. joke. Mounds. Yes. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So it's good to know. I think we should end this segment and get to the sports part of our show now. Okay. I think that's a good call. Let me put on my readers. <laughs> this is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only show that we know of featuring David and Anthony talking about sports and other things. I think we talk more other things than sports sometimes, but that's okay. I really feel like... It's sometimes other things are better than sports. Word. And this is a perfect time to talk about that. We'll get into more of that later. Please uh, leave a review and rate our podcast if you need uh, help sending some links and uh, some stuff to your friends on the social medias or on the emails or whatever, go to uh, subjectivelycorrect.com, copy that link, send it to your friends, your family, your bosses. Just bother everybody with it until everyone downloads the podcast. Uh, You can start catching clips of our show on YouTube, but our full show is only available on the podcast. Podcast download, iTunes. iTunes, Google Google Play, Play. both available there. 
we love hearing from our fan. So fan, if you're out there, send us some emails at subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. We love to hear from our fan, but please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you like about the show. We love hearing from everybody. So with that out of the way, um, this is like the worst sports time of the year. It, it, it makes a strong case. I think the other option is like the mid-late summer after the NBA uh, free agency has died down. Yes. And before you really get into the baseball playoff picture and before the NFL season starts, you've got those like four to six weeks in July, August. But at least you have like summer vacations and time yeah. off from work. And you have and stuff multiple like sports going on, right? You've got you've, you've at least got baseball. You've got football preseason. Uh, sometimes you get an Olympics thrown in there. Yeah. Or a FIFA World Cup or every FIFA. couple of years and stuff. All those things. So it seems like every other year it's a really dull time for sports. But I feel like right now the Super Bowl's over. It wasn't a super exciting Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We call it the Med Bowl for good reason. Yeah, you've got you got this this period every year of post NBA trade de- deadline because there's always there's always activity at the NBA trade de- deadline. Unless you're your the Pelicans, post, <laughs> your post Super Bowl. Your pre-March Madness, mm-hmm. okay. Your pre-baseball, your your like spring training is the biggest thing in baseball. Pitchers and catchers are uh, reported last week. Usually, your superstar baseball players are signed, although exception this year, right? Thankfully for our show, an exception this year. Yeah. Um, what NHL is going on? Mm. And I know, I know, hockey is super exciting in person. Yeah, but it's so hard to follow. I, I don't know about you. Unless you're like born in Minnesota or Massachusetts or Canada, I you know. Shout uh, out to our listeners in Vancouver. Do we have some? No, mm. but I imagine if we get some later, they'll listen they back, come and, back really and listen to this. this. Thank you. Yeah, they'll appreciate it. Um, and you've got you obviously got basketball, but it's it's such a long season that it's hard to get super excited about February basketball. And right now, it's the All Star break. So we just yeah. watched the All-Star Game and stuff. And I used to get super excited about, about All-Star Weekend in the NBA. It was my favorite. It, for me, it was the Home Run Derby. The MLB All-Star Game was always okay. Especially when I was no, when I knew all the players. It was more entertaining when I was yeah. younger. But then the, the three-point contest and the dunk contest were like one of my favorite sports things of the year. Of the mm-hmm. year. And then the All-Star Game would be cool because you get to see all these people doing that. And I don't know what that was. It was Vince Carter. It was Vince Carter. It's over. It's over. It's over. And then, uh, so you get cool moments like that. Like this year, it was cool. I, but I don't have to sit there and watch all the bad dunks in the dunk contest. I don't have to watch all the bad three-point shooting contests. I can just watch it on Twitter or YouTube yeah. later. So and why I actually, am I tuning in? I actually did watch the dunk contest, and there were more bad dunks than good dunks. Yeah. Like, what? there were there were three or four times where they just they couldn't complete their dunks. Like, you get three or four chances, and, like, the third or fourth chance came along, and they either didn't make it or they went to, like, a very conservative dunk just to get the points. Right. And that's, like... Boring. Granted, the, these guys are not professional dunkers. They're professional basketball players who like probably spend a week preparing for the dunk contest, right? If that. If, if that. Yeah, maybe that morning, right? Well, do you remember it was a couple years ago where Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine? Uh-huh. Adam's brother. Adam yeah. Levine. Adam, wait. Who's the basketball player? Zach. Zach, I knew it. You're trying to trip me up, and you did. Oh, I feel like such a maroon. Okay, so what... What I really enjoyed that slam dunk contest because you had Aaron Gordon and Zach, not Adam Levine, that were like jumping from the free throw line and going through their legs. They were grabbing a basketball from a mascot who was spinning on a Segway and like doing a 360 dunk. Uh, Aaron Gordon at one time, I think he should have won, jumped over the mascot and put the ball through it like under both of his legs and dunked mm. it. It was such a cool dunk contest, but that happens like once every once in a while. And it's like th- like 20 seconds of entertainment. For an hour of television. Right. Because they draw it out so much and it's so annoying. Also, um, there should, for any one dunk contest, you should only be able, here's, if I were changing the dunk contest, you can only give, like you have your, your, you get 110 to use. If you're a judge, you can use a 10 once. Oh. You can use nine twice. You can use eight three times. Okay. I'm not I'm not married to the numbers, but ten once, right? You see like three or four times a fifty, right? Or a forty-eight or forty-nine. And the fifty, the quality of the fit of one fifty compared to the quality of another fifty, 
it's totally different, right? It's like if someone comes out really early in the dunk contest and does something no one has seen before, just on the creativity, they'll be like, oh, that's a yeah. 10. And or, then someone comes up a little while later and does something that blows that dunk out of the water, and it's like, oh, that was much better, but we can only but give we're it the same score. At 50. Yeah. yeah. And, or anytime someone dunks from the free throw line, automatic 50. Like, it was cool once, twice. It was cool when Brett Barry did it because no one expected that. <laughs> I mean,. I think we all understand why. Why? Uh, have you ever heard of a guy named Brent dunking from the free throw line? Have you ever heard of a guy named Brent dunking? Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, so, so I would I would modify it so that you can't just give a ten every time, or you can't give a nine every time, right? Like you should you should only have a certain number of tens, nines, eights, oh, sevens. What if you only had a certain amount of points to give out? And well, then, that, that's essentially what I'm saying. No, no, but you have like a bank of points. Yeah, okay. So like a hundred or something. Similar idea. Let me finish my uh, idea. Okay. So you have like a hundred points, and what you do is you keep your ballot secret, and you're judging it as you go, and you're tabulating your points, and you decide as it's going, so it's fluid. So let's say that's a guy fine, does yeah. a really good dunk, like you allocate twenty points to that guy, but then like, oh no, I'll give ten here and ten here because their dunks were about equal. But then yeah. as more people are dunking, you allocate your hundred points however you feel like you whoever did the best. Yeah. I think that's fine. And I think that's actually a good thing is to keep the score secret yeah. through the round, right? We shouldn't we shouldn't know after your two dunks that you got two fifties, right? Like because yeah. then well there's no drama. You got you're going to the next round, right? It's like going to the cards and boxing. And, yeah, and it, and, it, and it fixes this this scenario where you're you're you know you give a fifty to one guy and then the next guy up has a better dunk and you give him a fifty two in that scenario, right? You'd give one guy a fifty, the other guy a thirty or whatever. Yeah, because you can see this clearly is a was a better, more entertaining, more creative, more impressive dunk. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I feel like a lot of guys who can't dunk impressively start trying to get creative, like jumping over planes. <laughs> Shout out to the Wright brothers again. Also, out there in Charlotte. Also. The plane, like we've had people jump over seven feet tall basketball players. We've had people jump over cars, and then they bring out this plane, and it's smaller than all of it, right? And the plane's like three and a half feet tall. And now, it, if you would have put that at the free throw line and jumped over that yeah. and then dunked it, we'd be like, "All right, I see you, player." Yeah. But I'm never gonna say that ever again, and I apologize mm. to everybody, everybody ever in the history of anything that I just said, what I just said. Well, we spent five minutes talking about the dunk contest. That was cool. So the dunk that that guy did <laughs> was the the winning guy. His name was like... Guy on Thunder, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. And who plays like three minutes a game, probably. He jumped over Shaq and did the honey dip. You know what the honey dip is? I know what he did, but go ahead and explain. The honey dip is where you jump up and dunk it, but when you dunk it... Your your whole arm goes into the rim above the uh, up to the elbow. Yeah, so your whole forearm is inside the rim, right? And you're just hanging on the rim from your from your elbow crease, your inner elbow. There's no name for that, is there? It's... Come on, doctors, you have a name for everything else. So he jumped over Shaq and then put his elbow in the rim. <laughs> so Vince Carter did that years ago when he won the dunk contest, and he just did it without jumping over anybody. This guy was like, "Okay, that was cool, Vince Carter. Now let me jump over Shaq." That was a pretty cool dunk. Yeah, that was cool. So, I mean, but other than, other than that, when it comes to, like, All-Star games and even, like, the Pro Bowl, the MLB All-Star game, I just don't have any interest in it anymore. They made the Home Run Derby pretty exciting this last year, mm-hmm. and that was cool, but I'm not going to sit through the entire thing. I don't know if it's just that my sports attention span has gotten smaller or if I'm just less impressed with seeing these guys do it because I've been seeing it for longer. I just don't know what's going on there. I just think it's a it's a... The stakes, right? There's not yeah. that. The stakes aren't high enough, right? It does, it, There's so it, it many other day. things in your life. Like if you're yeah. a busy person, right? Like, and you you have to decide: Am I going to take an hour to watch a, a game? People dunking where there are no stakes, right? Or am I going to spend some time with my kids? You know, I'm going to watch the basketball, obviously. So, hmm. no, but uh, three point contest. Some dude named Harris. One, he beat Steph Curry. Is he from Brooklyn? Yeah. Did somehow. Curry did put up a twenty seven though, which is cool. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. And then Team Tamper, excuse me, Team LeBron won the actual All Star game. The All Tamper team won? Yeah, All Tamper team won. Cool. Uh they beat Team Giannis. 
Uh, it was a good game, actually. I, so I did watch it, and uh, they started. There was no defense up until about halfway through the third quarter, which and is then about half like, a quarter more. And then there was like a minimal amount of defense, but enough that you you could tell that they cared about who was going to win, right? Oh. And it almost felt. And I saw someone someone tweeted something like this. Uh, maybe it was uh, that one football guy that you follow a lot, the, the Irish dude. Yeah, Kean. Kean, not Cian. Yeah, it's Kean Fahey. Okay. You read C and Fahey, didn't you? It may, it may have been him, may have been God. someone else, but uh, tweeted like, "This is where you know you you like the big brother is playing with the little brother, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna win now. Like, <laughs> yeah. like like Team LeBron was down like the whole game, and then like end of the third quarter, they're like, okay, we're gonna win now, right? And when you've got Le- LeBron, KD, James Harden, uh, Clay Thompson, uh, whoever else they had, it that's, like about, that's about team. all you need, right? Yeah, the all tamper team was pretty good. Anthony Davis, yeah. So my dad I could read. do that. My dad could do that with racquetball. He is so good at racquetball that he would say, how many points do you want? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I'll, just give me five. And he'd be like, I'll give you 14. When you play racquetball, you play the games of 15. So my dad, if he wanted to, could spot me 14 points, let me serve first, and then beat me by one. I feel really lucky to be doing a podcast with you, Anthony. Oh, thank you. Let me finish. Okay. Because, no, I'm just kidding. It's all positive stuff. Because when something in sports breaks that has to do with the law, that has to do with uh, suits or has to do with contracts or something like that, we're really lucky on Subjectively Correct Sports to have someone who studies this stuff for his job. Well, yeah. And went to Stanford Law School to be an expert on these kinds of things. So while you don't feel like you're an expert on this stuff because... I'm not an expert on like labor disputes, like the whole that's a whole different area of law. But you know, right? But contracts like co- compared and- to Colin Cowherd, Rich Eisen, sure. okay. Dan Patrick, sure. you are definitely an expert when it comes to this stuff. So your your coverage of sports that we do here on the show, married to your uh, your law degree and your knowledge of that information, is going to make your analysis of the Colin Kaepernick settlement situation so much better and more detailed. And I'm setting you up for failure here, but that's okay because I'm putting you up like up here. And even if you deliver here, like that, but anyway, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. See, if he knows that, he's gonna nail this stuff. Mm. But but I actually, all, all joking aside, uh, we talked a little bit about this when it broke, when the story of the the settlement yeah. broke, and I felt like, man, he's going to break it down in a way that no other sports show is going to be able to break down this Kaepernick stuff. So yeah. so he settled well, with the with NFL over his collusion case. Yeah. And what information do you have on that? Well, okay, so so the case was essentially that the NFL or several owners in the NFL colluded, which means they conspired, they talked about, right, uh, together to say we're not going to give Colin Kaepernick a job. Right, we're not going to make him an offer to play for our team. And all you need to prove collusion is just that there was agreement among two or more of the owners. Okay, so that, that at least two owners got together and said, yeah. "Don't hire Kaepernick." That's right. It's almost like antitrust or like anti-monopoly. Well, that's exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the basic principle. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, the first question I think you asked me over over text when when this broke was, so this this proves that there was like some level of collusion, right? And my response was, maybe. Because that's a good attorney's response in every situation. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe. Um, and, and the reason it's maybe and not yes or not no is because we don't know all the facts. We don't know what, what Kaepernick's camp knew. We don't know what the NFL and the various owners know. Okay. And so why would you settle, if you're the NFL... And you don't settle a lot of cases. You hardly settle ever. Why would you settle for a reported $60 million, um, a, a case that you think you might win? Right? $60 million seems like a lot, but it's a drop in the bucket of the NFL's annual revenue. Yeah, and, and, and not only that, it's you divide that up among, what is it, 30, 32 NFL owners. That's a little under $2 million an owner. Um, if you could pay... 1.8 million to make this go away, you probably do. Yeah. Right? Okay, but but let's let's talk about the motivation behind settling. Why would a company or the NFL choose to settle if they feel 
like they didn't do anything wrong. Okay. So you're saying that the NFL in their heart of hearts really believes so, that there was no collusion. Yeah. Why would they go through this process of settling and making it look like, to a layman like myself, mm-hmm. make it look like there's some level of guilt? Yeah. So scenario one, NFL feels like they're innocent, right? There was no collusion, right? There's circumstantial evidence, which means there's not like an email or a letter or a recording that proves that two owners actually colluded. But circumstantial evidence in this case is the fact that he's not on an NFL roster. And so many bad quarterbacks are. Right? Yeah. There, However many uh, quarterback signings there have been since he's been out of the league, you look at that, you look at his his performance while he was in the league. Um, and say what you want to say. You can't tell me that these backup quarterbacks yeah. in the league are not better than... that are. Uh, you can't tell me those guys are better than Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, and there are legitimate other reasons why you wouldn't necessarily give him a contract if you thought it would be a distraction for the team and you thought, you know, we have a decent backup, like the chances that our starter gets injured, minimal. Like, let's not, let's not make this team about Kaepernick, right? Potential. Potential scenario there. Okay, but our first scenario is... NFL and its owners say, no, we didn't collude. Why do we settle? Well, in any trial, there's a, a period called discovery. Okay, And discovery is when documents are handed over from one side to the other. Okay, In this case, Kaepernick and his team, are going, they would request emails, letters, uh, any kind of, of evidence, documentation, relating and sometimes not exactly relating um to to kaepernick and to um anything they can tie to to collusion okay and they have the right to request anything that they want and the nfl is then obligated because of the court system and the way it's set up to give to provide that information to uh, collins team yeah and i'm not a litigator and so there may be some nuance to this that i don't you know really appreciate or and so there may be certain limitations on to the extent you can you know does an owner have to give over his cell phone and his records i don't know exactly it's like any personal effects maybe they keep personal and business stuff is separate kind of a thing it's possible but but i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that that's how it is but that that's possible right good hedging yeah so basically you told me maybe yeah you're a Uh, good lawyer but if you're an nfl owner all right and let's just say at a minimum your official, your 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 GMs and your laptop are going to be um, turned over, right? And all your your email accounts going to be scrubbed, right? And they're going to go through and they're going to search Kaepernick, right? They're going to search Colin, they're going to search Cap, they're going to search, put a bunch of search terms in for anything that might trigger this, right? And that might that might pull up anything about Colin Kaepernick. Say you didn't collude, but you wrote an email. Wow, really hate this Kaepernick don't like his stance. Why don't these guys just shut up and play? Like, imagine you had that on your laptop. That's going to come up, right? And once it does, um, if if, if Kaepernick's team decides to make it public, either through some kind of leak or they bring it up in trial, that's going to make you look really bad, right? And so if I'm an owner and I know I didn't collude and I'm confident... The 31 other owners didn't include, but I know that some pretty nasty stuff is going to come out about me or some of my partners, um, some of the other owners. I may just make the calculation, it's worth it to me to pay $2 million for none of that to ever come out. Almost like hush money. Yeah, hmm. exactly. Um, and so that's that's scenario one, okay? Scenario two, they knew there was collusion, okay? Two owners... They go to Roger Goodell and they say, you know what? We've been texting each other for the past two years saying, I'm never going to sign this guy if you don't sign him, right? And we uh, we sent texts to these eight other owners, all in our division. No one wants him because we know he would be better than any backup in the division. But, and some starters. And this is maybe some starters, but, you know, we think he's bad for the league financially. And so we don't want him in the league. And so if you don't make an offer, I won't make an offer, right? Okay, and that's what you call the smoking gun, right? A piece of evidence that clearly proves you did what you're accused of doing. And that's, if that scenario actually occurred and really whether or not Kaepernick's camp knew about it, but the NFL knew, they know that that would come out in discovery, right? At some point, that text is gonna come up. And so let's just settle, right? I don't know. I don't know what you know. There's a whole 
trial that goes around setting the the valuation of the damages that that Kaepernick and Reed uh, would have sustained. And so maybe they determined that it was hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. right? And so if we can settle for sixty million, let's just let's do that now and minimize our losses. So that's a plausible scenario. But in that scenario, if the Kaepernick team does know that something's going on mm-hmm. and they're confident, settling makes it seem like they're kind of giving up a little bit just for the money. It makes it seem like it was a money grab and it wasn't about exposing wrongdoing from the owners. That's right. And everything from what Kaepernick's camp has been saying is that they're willing to see this through trial. Mm. And so I am a little confused as to why you would take the settlement. If you're if you're confident you have evidence that would lead to a verdict in your favor and you're confident that the damages would be significant enough to compensate you for for being out of the league why wouldn't you see this through trial right and so the what i the only thing i can think of is that they were pretty sure there was evidence the Kaepernick team was the Kaepernick team was pretty sure there was some evidence they needed to get to discovery to prove it but they weren't a hundred percent sure and the damage that would the damage to Kaepernick's cause, if in the event of a uh, that that the NFL was found to not have colluded, was greater than than the the upside of proving that the NFL colluded, right? And so they made, in my in my opinion, they may have made a calculated decision that. We could see this through the trial. We think there's a chance that there was collusion. We think we can get a lot of money. But if there wasn't collusion, and we don't we don't have the smoking gun at this point, um, we're going to look really bad. Kaepernick personally will look bad for pursuing this. And he'll, he would take the brunt of that. He would take the brunt of that. Nike would and, also take the brunt of that. And the, and the discussion, the movement, whatever you want to call it, that he started um, may be impaired because of it. Okay, and so you weigh a lot all of those things, and so if you're not 100% confident in your case, and a settlement comes along, more likely than not you're going to take it, right? Also, these things can drag on for years. Yeah. Okay, and so that's a consideration both the NFL and Kaepernick's camp would would consider. I mean, especially if Kaepernick wants to get back in and play, would the NFL be allowed to hire him? Would any owner be allowed to hire him if he had an active case against the NFL? Like, would that be tampering in the case in some way? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Right, but I mean... It, but it, it, I would think if if someone was suing me or the organization I'm part of, that I would not want to give that person a job. Makes sense, right? Right. And But, so there are a lot of nuances and a lot of complex things going on here, and I'm glad that you broke it down the way that you did, because it's a lot messier and a lot more complicated than it seems. A lot of people are just wanting to jump to the conclusion that the NFL settled, they'll f- therefore Colin Kaepernick was right, and that shows some sort of guilt for the NFL. But but you're saying maybe, but that might not be the case. This might be a calculated decision by both parties to say, mm-hmm. you know what, in the NFL's case, maybe there is something hidden that we don't know about, and also maybe we just want this to go away now. Because the damage mm-hmm. it would do over a two or three year process where this is in the news for two or three, five, whatever years, mm-hmm is worth $60 million to us or more. Get rid of that, mm-hmm. make it go away. And Kaepernick's thinking, what if we go through this entire process, I can't play in the league for these four or five years or whatever, or no one will hire me while this is going on because he wants to play in the NFL. But if I can just take this money now, I get my money, and then maybe I can get back into football, and it's just settled and it's done. So it's a lot more complicated and a lot more messy. It's a lot less black and white than people originally think it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you were able to break that down for us because it is yeah. messy and complicated. Yeah, and, and this this notion that if a company settles, they're guilty, right? Um, I think I think it is it's just a it's too easy to jump to that. It's and and you see you see companies do this a lot, like even even when they're a hundred percent sure they they didn't do what they're accused of, right? Like if you're a huge multi billion dollar company and there's a $100,000 lawsuit that you just don't want. There's potentially like bad PR that could come from it, even though you know you're in the right. Just by it being in the news, it's going to have some bad PR. And, uh, you know, it could go on for years. Like, let's just pay him the $100,000 and be done with it. I'm not saying that that's a good business practice because that could invite future lawsuits. 
uh, from people who hope to do the same. You see that with uh, so-called patent trolls who um, they buy a bunch of patents and then they sue anyone that may be infringing on those patents, right? Anyone they can... the the. Uh, the most tenuous claim that they can make, um, they'll they'll make it and, and hope that these companies just pay them off, right? To not to, to just keep, just yeah to get rid of to, to get rid of the headache, right? Right. And so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't and I, I wouldn't put a percentage on it or anything, but uh, when I hear settlement, my first thought, just having seen this so many times, is not oh they're guilty. It's oh they just wanted to be done with this. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I guess good for Kaepernick. I don't know. It's kind of. I think it's, I think a, it, it's a little for me. I kind of wanted to see this play out because I wanted to know if the NFL was colluding. Right? right. So I think I think we as fans and people that follow sports were robbed of any resolution on this because yeah. we're not left with the definitive yes. Kaepernick was right. They were keeping him out of the league on purpose. And the NFL, we don't know if they there was no evidence of collusion. We don't know. And so it keeps us in the dark. And this might be a mystery that comes out years and years later in some 30 for 30 yeah. or whatever they're doing on ESPN4. Well, yeah, and, and, and both the NFL and, and Kaepernick's, Kaepernick's team um, issued very similar statements, essentially that the, the, um, the terms of the settlement agreement are confidential, subject to a confidentiality agreement, so we have no further statement, right? And when you say confidentiality agreement, that can also apply to whatever was found in discovery, if there was discovery, sure. and it could also go into, we're not going to talk about anything we talked about here in our settlement, it's just private 100%, and there's penalties if you break that non-disclosure sure. agreement, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, the, the actual terms of, of confidentiality will be in that settlement agreement. Which is confidential. Which is confidential, right? And so it could be that, you know, Kaepernick and his team are barred from uh, speaking negatively about the NFL for a certain period of time. It could be limited to just speaking about um, this dispute. It could be broader than that. Um, it could be um, a short amount of time. It could be the rest of his life. I don't know if that's actually uh, legal to to have a confidentiality agreement until you die. Until you die, but um, yeah, some, something for me to to, to look at. Uh, but also because it's confidential, right? You would think no details would come out, right? Like, but then how can we know? It's like sixty million dollars and stuff. Right? And I wanted to get to that. We don't know. There was a leak, right? But there are very. We we may never know the actual amount, right? Um, and there are various motivations for each camp to leak a figure that may be incorrect. So the NFL could be like, oh yeah, we gave them $60 million, when in reality they paid them $250 million uh-huh. because there was actual evidence and the, team, the Kaepernick team knew it. Or Kaepernick's team could have leaked $60 million and they actually got $2 million. To make it seem like they were right. Yep. And... And neither the NFL nor Kaepernick's camp can confirm or deny that number because that would be in breach of the confidentiality agreement. You can't comment on the terms. Right? And so so just because it's reported that it's $60 million doesn't mean it's $60 million. It could just be for appearance sake. Bum bum. <laughs> Law and order. <laughs> yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. The Law and Order. That, that was a good way to end that clip. Alright. Bomb bomb. I just hit the table. Baseball season, David. It's baseball season. Catchers and pitchers have reported. We, oh, no. Most, no. No, stop, stop. Everything. Most position, no, no, a stop. lot of position players have reported. Stop everything. It They're is throwing not, and hitting. It is not ever, ever catchers and pitchers. It is always pitchers and catchers. So the catchers and the pitchers and the pitchers and the catchers are all reporting and they're throwing. Um, it's always pitchers and catchers. I was I was annoyed by all the all the tweets in my timeline about pitchers and catchers. Look at this video of, of the Dodgers throwing, and I look at the video yeah. of the Giants throwing. Now like, this is dumb. And then I opened up a video and I heard that sound. The pop. That sound of the and I got all nostalgic. Yeah. I started smelling grass. I started like feeling sweat on the brim of my hat that wasn't there. I started missing baseball so much. I started and, eating sunflower seeds. Right? It's just baseball has a special hold on on 
those of us that played baseball growing up. Yeah. It, it really is a part of you, and there's something special about it. And then you start watching games in May, and you're like, oh, the magic is gone. Uh, speak for yourself. Well, Dire Dodgers fan. But I, I don't have like a team that I love to follow, though, so I, yeah. I don't know. But but Anthony will be awake until 3 in the morning watching an extra inning game. Oh, man. Those extra inning games. <laughs> in May. That's, the, that's like the biggest downside to being a sports fan anywhere but the West Coast. Word. We had it made when we lived on the West Coast. We lived on Pacific Time yeah. in Nevada. It was, the Super Bowl ended at like 5.30. <laughs> it was know. great. Yeah, and yeah, you, you, the, the local teams you follow, every game's over by 10, 10.30. But um, being out here in the, the central time zone, you shift that by two hours. Uh, if I want to watch a Laker, a home Laker game or a home Dodger game, um, I'm just kind of mentally noting, okay, I'm going to bed after midnight. And if it goes overtime or extra innings, okay, probably one. And if it was a big game and I need to wind down, eh, probably two. You need to wind down? <laughs> well, what do you do to wind down? Because you are, you are a huge Dodgers and Lakers fan. Yeah. I've seen you post like Dodgers playoff game. Yeah. Like what do you, what is your calm down method? Like what do you do to zen out so you can chill and go to sleep? Well, it depends if it was a win or a loss, right? Okay. Let's, let's that, go loss first. Let's go negative yeah. first and positive. So After if a it's loss, negative first, I compl- I turn off the TV. I don't look at Twitter. It's like it never happened. I do something unrelated. I oh my gosh. I shun it. Shunned. You avoid. I avoid. Oh yeah, you I, didn't, the seven I did not. I did not watch ESPN for three months after the Lakers lost to the Celtics in two thousand eight. You go through the seven stages of grief. Uh, at least the first. I'm looking up the seven stages. Keep <laughs> going. Know. I'm gonna look up the yeah. seven stages. Uh, See this... And so it's it's complete. Just that never happened, right? It, I've gotten better with with time with my uh with age with maturity and so well, maturity <laughs> and perspective right i think having kids you know being older than the, like the players right all of that i think has given me a little bit of perspective like this is not as big a deal as i once thought it was um it, it, but it still hurts like especially the last two dodgers world series that was rough especially game 7 against the astros like that was that was really that was hard. Game two of that series, game two against the Astros, where uh, Kenley gives up the home run in the ninth, tied up, and then they lose in extras. When you know that if they go up two nothing, uh, that they're probably going to win the series. Instead, they're going back to Houston, tied one one. That was that was a big one. Um, the last time the Dodgers won a World Series, I was born. Yeah, it was nineteen eighty eight. So these are the seven stages of grief. We already talked to the first one: shock and denial. Yeah. That is, you're solidly in that zone. The next is pain and guilt. Okay, yep, definitely yep, experience fits. those. Yeah. Anger and bargaining. If we could have yeah. just had this, uh, you just went through anger oh, yeah. and bargaining. Dave Roberts was the uh, the focus of my anger and bargaining. There you go. Dave Roberts, you just leave Rich Hill in, right? Just leave Rich Hill in in game four. Okay, so there was the anger and the bargaining. Depression, reflection, and loneliness. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely go through all that. Okay, that's stage four. Yeah. Stage five is the upward turn. Oh yeah, uh, off season. The off season. So at some point in the off season, you start feeling better. Yeah. Okay. Number six, reconstruction and working through. Uh, yeah. I get. Is that like rationalizing? What's that mean? What uh, that? As you become more functional, your mind starts working again, and you will find yourself seeking realistic solutions to problems posed by your life without your loved one. In this case, a World Series. Yeah. Well, that's that's when I start to look at the roster and I say, you know, like we got a legit chance to be like. There's no holes here. Like. We are still, Seager, we are Seager's still, back. we are still the team to beat. Seager's yeah. coming back. Our pitching rotation is good. We still yeah, have Kershaw, yeah. and then number seven is acceptance and hope. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now you feel like the Dodgers have a legit chance because Seager's back, right? Yeah, Seager's Bull- back. Bullpen's healthy. Bullpen's healthy. We've got like six, seven legitimate starters. Oh yeah. During this, and like no one else in the West, in a West has gotten better. So I mean, pod- except the Padres. We'll get to that in a second. During this, the last of the seven stages in this grief model, you learn to accept. And deal with the reality of your situation. So you accept the loss of the World Series, right? And acceptance does not necessarily mean instant happiness. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so when your teams lose, yeah. you go through the seven stages of grief. Mm, yep. Yep. Especially uh, the, uh, the finality of the season, right? Like any, any, give, any one loss in the middle of the season, I'm probably not 
I mean, I am still going to like not turn on SportsCenter or not listen to my Dodger podcast the next day because I don't want to hear about the loss, right? So like, I guess micro micro uh, progression through those seven stages sure yeah wow that was amazing all right I, okay i know i know some of you out there might not be interested about what just happened but i am fascinated yeah. by what just occurred on our podcast i am legitimately excited about that discovery we just made and then if it's a win uh it's the exact opposite i turn on sports center i'm looking at twitter I'm waiting for the podcast to to be uploaded. You're watching. I'm wanting, I'm wanting to relive the moment. Yes. Right. Yes. And let that wash over me and go to sleep with a smile on my face. But uh, yeah, so it take. I think it takes me uh, much longer to kind of come down from a loss than than a win. Wow, that's amazing! I can't believe we just went through that. <laughs> that's so cool. I, I'm like legitimately excited about what you said. I know I've said that twice, but that was such a cool thing. Do you feel cool like there must have been a breakthrough? Of, is that it was like therapy or what? I don't know. It was just interesting just that cool, as a cool as a sports fan, as a sports fan, and I think this it just doesn't just apply to you. Mm. I think it applies to a lot of sports fans in general. You really do go through the seven stages of grief. It's like you're losing a loved one, something you cared about, which is this season and this idea of a championship. Of course, if you're the Marlins, that ends on May seventh, according to Giancarlo Stanton. Oh. Ouch. Anyway, the Padres, who's your daddy, signed Manny Machado. <laughs> Padre. Yeah, yeah. Get it? Yeah. Padre is Spanish for dad. So they're your daddy, according to them. What a lame name for a team. I don't know. It got me that who's your daddy joke. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's worth it. Ten years, $300 million. 300 Does that seem like too much? Uh, my initial reaction was, is 10 years too much? Because... The Albert Pujols well, contract ended up being a good one for the Angels. <laughs> that was sarcasm. I don't know. If and he's one of my favorite players, and I'm willing to admit that. Here's the thing. It's too much if the next highest offer was eight years, $240 million, right? Which was what was reported by uh, that the White Sox had offered. Yeah, and, okay. and that type of deal made would make much more sense for anybody, really, because he's, what, 26? Yeah. So 26 to 32 sounds like a great time period to lock him up. Anything beyond that? Yeah. Yeah. Did I do the math right on that? You did, but it's okay. You were only off 26 two. plus 8. 34. I'm an English teacher. This is riveting. No, yeah, so so that that, that is the prime window, though, right? Like mid-20s to early 30s. Right. Okay. And um, so this is going to get Machado into his mid to late 30s, and you're still going to be paying him $30 million, which... You know, maybe doesn't seem as bad when luxury tax increases, but you're still having to actually come out of pocket right. thirty million. And to see, it sounds the first thing I thought of was Machado's betting on himself. He's saying when I'm thir- thirty, what? Thirty four. Thirty four. See, so you almost did it too. Oh no, sorry. Ten years is thirty six. Oh yeah. So when he's thirty six years old, he's betting on himself and saying, "I will either be, I, I will still be able to get a decent contract to finish my season." Or finish my career, rather. Or he's saying, at that point, I'm probably going to be done. So let's get as much as we can and get as much money as we can and call it good. Yeah. And there's a, there's a you said there's a player option? Yeah, there was at least a report that there will probably, at least when I last looked, the full details hadn't come out, but there will probably be a player option somewhere in the middle of the contract, maybe after five years. Okay. Uh, and, and if so, that probably makes sense for, for Manny. Um because if I mean if he has a stellar five years at that point he's thirty one if he could get another six seven year contract at a higher overall value maybe it makes sense. Um, the what I'm struggling with here is you know we had heard Phillies we'd heard White Sox Yankees a little bit Dodgers maybe not not as much recently but the Dodgers were at least in the conversation because he at went to a World Series were, with them yeah at, at some point there was a report that they had made an offer the details were never uh, disclosed um, and so what Padres seem like a, a huge dark horse in all of this and what is their motivation like they're not close to being competitive if they brought Tony Gwynn back he'd be their best player right now not like the past Tony <laughs> and, Gwynn and he's dead tony gwen yeah he died of cancer i think i think check me on that um and i'm gonna go so, through seven so stages of grief you, you were saying the padres have nine of the top 100 prospects i did say that their farm system is excellent 
they're going to be a team that potentially could compete in four, five, six years. But by then, you're on the tail end of Machado's career and deal. And so what's the motivation for the Padres to sign Machado to this deal right now? What would you find out? He died June 16, 2014. Okay, yeah. I didn't know he was dead. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Tony Wynn. Uh, so what's the motivation, David? I mean, I, one thing that comes to mind is sometimes when you're a small market team, when any major free agent wants to... <laughs> Sorry, when I'm any, just... When any he, major... he was one of my favorite players growing yeah. up because oh, no. the bat was always on the ball. Yeah. Always. I think I was watching a clip of him just recently, actually, where uh, he hit an inside the park home run. And right before he hit the inside I know of the park, had that kind of speed. Yeah, right before it doesn't look like it, right? Yeah. Like the all uh, all unathletic body team, right? Yeah. He's right up there with uh, uh, Baker and, and Paul Pierce. But he uh, he uh, right as he was about to hit the inside the park home run, they gave a stat, and this is like in July that he had struck out four times in the season so far. Oh my goodness! Yes, like once per month, basically. <laughs> so if you were a pitcher in the majors and you faced Tony Gwynn on the reg, you know you're going to strike him out once if you face him. For, for an entire month. Wow. So he was a baller, man. I'm really sorry to hear that. I know we're, we're mourning the death of someone who died five years ago. Yeah. But, man, they call him Mr. Padre. Yeah. He had a great fro when he was younger. There's so much to like about Tony Gwynn. <laughs> no, and David, you hear this? It often doesn't, you know, often sounds cliche. But in his case, I think it is apropos. He played the game the right way. I don't know. At least for the National League, right? Move the runner over. Contact. All right, so why would the Padres do this? One theory that I have is when you're a small market team, anytime a major free agent wants to sign with you, you have to do it. Whatever it takes. Because it may only happen once in a generation, and if it happens once, maybe you can convince a second free agent to sign with you. And uh, if nothing else, you know, Machado has been criticized for maybe having a poor attitude or questionable, questionable, uh, 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 what do you call it? Having hair like Pidgeotto? Care, yeah, well, questionable hair choices. Um, but, you know, if he can teach some of the young guys some things, can be a positive influence, at least on their, their development, maybe they actually have a winning record over the next few years and he's a part of that. There's some kind of culture of winning and that gets passed on to these these awesome prospects that they have. Maybe that's part of it. I can't imagine they think this move puts them in contention for the NOS. No. And baseball is a crazy sport where they could have not done this move and won the World Series next year. Yes. Just because baseball's baseball. Yeah. Um, but but you 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 can't objectively say, oh, this this move now puts them ahead of the Rockies and the Dodgers in the NOS. And it seems like the best. The Padres are doing it the way all these other teams are doing it. You home grow your talent, you get good mm-hmm. draft picks, you get good prospects, you grow them in your farm system, and then you have them on great contracts for five, six years, right? Yeah. That's what the Astros have done. The Red Sox do that, and they also have a ton of money to throw at free agents and people yeah. want to go to Boston, so That's they right. have that double whammy. The Yankees haven't really been able to bring in uh, free agents lately, and in this new era of baseball... They haven't been able to replicate the same kind of success as the Red Sox. And so it's not an easy thing to do. But mm-hmm. the Padres seem to have been doing it the right way. And so throwing all of your money and locking up all this money on one player in a sport where one player gets up to bat four times a game. Yeah. And they also gave a bunch of money to Hosmer like last offseason. Right. And that and helped. That, yeah. Um, right. So I don't. it kind of baffles me why a team like the Padres, who should be a... They should be thinking like the the Oakland A's or the Houston Astros, kind of a smaller market team mm-hmm. looking to build from within and maybe add a pitcher like they did with Verlander in, in Houston, right? Yeah. They should be looking to do that kind of stuff, not go and tie up all of their salary cap in a couple of guys. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is San Diego is a one-sport town now. They lost the Chargers. They lost the Clippers way back when. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Clippers used to be a San Diego team. Um, I've learned a new things. All, it's, it's a history lesson for me today. And so, you know, I don't know what the team's finances are like, um, but you know, maybe they felt like we have to, we have to swing for the fences now. We don't want to lose another, our last sports franchise. Right. right. 
So you're saying they were getting pressure to be a good sports team in the last, the, being the last sports team in their town? Yeah, possibly. I mean, that could be that could be another motivation. Or, or maybe they were thinking, no one's going to watch basketball in San Diego. No one's going to watch football in San Diego. Everyone's coming to the ballpark now. Yeah. So well, let's go full on that. No, and that's and that's actually a good point that um, these regional. TV deals have been super lucrative yeah. for for baseball teams and basketball teams, uh, and so there's nothing to compete with in San Diego, right? And so if I'm if I'm a San Diego resident and I'm saying, do I cancel the the sports package? Because what do I got? The Padres now, the Chargers are gone, right? Uh, who, who am I watching? Um, well, all of a sudden we get Manny Machado. Oh, I might keep it around for another year. See how the Padres do. I might want to watch Manny, right? So this, you feel like that was strictly a business decision? Like maybe the owners, maybe the owner of the Padres came and said, "Hey, I know this might not be the best baseball move, mm-hmm. but this is going to be the best business move, which will hopefully lead to being able to make other good baseball moves." Yeah, I think I think that's a, a potential consideration. And then the last thing I thought of is this is a major asset. It's a costly asset. All so right? Manny's Manny Machado's. Manny Manny is now an asset. Okay. He's under contract oh, for ten years, I see right? Maybe with an opt out at thirty million dollars a year, which is a lot. But think about in five, ten years, that may not seem like a lot for an elite third baseman shortstop. And and MLB contracts have been on this crazy trend of going up and up and up for yeah. a while now. So that especially makes sense. when like preseason, we were thinking forty, fifty million over ten years. Yeah, or for for to, at, Ten uh, per year for ten years, um, three hundred million now kind of seems like a bargain. So that leads me so, to the next. Uh, go ahead. Well, and so, so since he's an asset, when these guys start coming up and their team is actually good, and Manny's still 28, 29 years old, and, and he's still on fire, you can trade him to a team with that team knowing, well, we've got at least a year and a half control over him. If he and then if he opts in, we've got six years. And we're close. To, we can win the World Series now. We just need that third baseman shortstop, right? And so we're willing to trade you some really good prospects for him. And you couple those prospects with the prospects they already have in their system. And so this could just be a play to get another awesome asset on your books that you can trade in a year or two uh, for more prospects. So, so you think the Padres are kind of doing what Danny Ainge has done with the Celtics. Yeah. Right? They're asset building and they're asset building, and then they can make a splash when the time's right. Yeah, and so maybe they're hoping we're going to pay – we're planning to pay this guy $90 million. We're not planning to pay him more than three years, right? And at that point, we're going to trade him for assets. I mean, that that could be – the thing is that could backfire, right? Yeah. If Manny suffers some horrible injury or his production just severely declines for whatever reason – and he opts into his contract, you've got him for 10 years at $30 million a year. You'd have another Albert, uh, Albert Pujols situation. Yeah. And I love Winnie the Pujols. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I, I used to imitate his uh, his batting stance as more of a joke because I, I sucked when I used his batting stance. But I used to imitate his batting stance. I loved him. But you cannot, with a serious face, tell me that that contract was a good contract for the Angels. It's a great contract for Winnie the Pujols. But it's not a good... Uh, contract for the team. So they worry about that, right? But interesting, I didn't think of it as an asset building perspective. So if, just really quickly, because there's been no news on the Harper front for Bryce Harper where he's going. What are you doing, Harper? But I imagine if Machado is getting $30 million a year for 10 years, I think Scott Boris, who we've talked about on the show, and we know how we feel about Scott Boris here on the show, if, how I feel at least, if, if Machado is getting $30 million a year for 10 years, what do you think Bryce Harper is going to ask for? Is he going to try to get that $50 million for 10 years like he, he thought of before? Maybe he increases it to 35 or 40 But I think he'll want to ask more for more than Manny Machado because mm-hmm. he's playing a position where injuries are less frequent. And I think he showed more upside, potential upside offensively. Absolutely. And, uh, Def- definitely more, better power numbers. Yeah, exactly. And in this, in this league, it's a strikeout home run league now. And so analytics have shown that sometimes a strikeout is better than getting a single. A strikeout is always better than hitting into a double play. Mm-hmm. So these players more and more are looking for the power numbers and the, and the slugging percentage and the launch angle and getting the ball up in the air and as far as you can. Because yeah. worst case scenario, it's one out. Yeah, and you, but you always, you always want someone else uh, to set them. Well, that's not true. 
you want someone else to set the market if they set it well, right? Yeah. And in this case, it, I think it was set well for, for Bryce Harper, right? Yeah. Manny Machado's $300 million contract bodes well for Harper. I can't see him getting anything less than that unless he's willing to, to do a shorter deal with a higher valuation per year. Um, if I were guessing, if I'm the Phillies, I'd say, here's your 10 mil, your, your 10 year, $350 million contract. What do you think? Like spring training starting, like let's get this guy in. Right. And start yeah. working with the team. I'm sure he's hitting balls off a tee somewhere right now. I'm, I'm sure his hulked out dad is throwing him BP in the backyard. That guy's scary. That guy's Vegas strong is what he is. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I I, you, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to get a, a good deal. I mean, a, a massive deal. I don't know if it'll... I can't see it being $40, $50 million, but... Let's just say, even though I'm older and I have kids, I'd be okay if Bryce Harper adopted me today. What do you say? Gross. He, no, just like, like adopted dad. <laughs> How is that gross? Uh, How is that I, gross? I don't know. This has been Subjectively Correct Sports. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bum bum. (laughs)